Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. This morning we are blessed to have uh, a team from Spain and uh, the Prevost. And in just a minute they're going to come and they're going to share their hearts. I believe Karen's going to come first. And uh, then her husband Kevin is going to come up and share with us while she goes over and ministers to the kids, if I've got it correct. So our children are going to get to hear some of the, the missionary gospel as well. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, so I don't want to take any more of their time. Would you like to come and share the word with us? Would you give them a warm Mount Hope Church welcome this morning? You know, slavery is one of the most shameful parts of our history. Today it is unthinkable to own another human being because of the color of their skin. But you know, there are actually 27 million slaves in the world today, mostly a result of human trafficking, women and children being bought and sold for sex. But worse still, there might even be slaves among us here today, slaves to sin. Because when you're not totally truthful about what you've done or about who you are, maybe to hide something bad that you've done or to make others, other people think that you're better than you really are, you are becoming more and more enslaved to deceit and to lies. Or when someone has hurt you deeply and you rehearse that scene in your mind over and over and over again, and use your words to criticize them, make them look small in other people's eyes, or secretly rejoice when they fail, you are becoming more and more enslaved to bitterness, unforgiveness, and even to hate. Or when you're on internet and you click on that porn page and you indulge in those thoughts and fantasies, or even take the next step and have relations with someone that you are not married to, you are becoming more and more enslaved to lust and to immorality. And you cannot break your chains. And the problem is, not only living this life enslaved to sin, but the other end of these chains will one day pull you down to an eternity far from God. So what hope do you have? How can you get rid of these chains? You know, the only way to set a slave free is to purchase their freedom. When Jesus got up on that cross, he took your chains with him. And he paid for your freedom with every drop of his blood. And his resurrection proved that the price was paid in full. Jesus is the only one who can break your chains. But the choice comes back to you. Because you can choose to live like this. But if you know today that you have chains in your life, you can tell him, Jesus, I don't want to live with lust and immorality. I don't want to live anymore with deceitfulness and hate and bitterness and unforgiveness. Take all of my chains. I give you all of my sin. I give you my whole life. I choose you. I want to follow you. And when you do that, he will break those chains off you, and you will be free to serve him and to live a life that pleases him. Why would you live one more day enslaved to sin? Give it all to Jesus today. Amen. Amen.
that is what the people in the Puerta del Sol, the center of Spain, hear when we go out and preach. We're part of a ministry called On the Red Box, and we're in the very heart of Madrid, the capital of Spain, and we go out on the main plaza where 120,000 people walk through that plaza every single day. There's always a crowd of people, and we proclaim Jesus just like you heard. We have people that come to us from different churches. We mentor them. We teach them evangelism, and they mix in with the crowd, and then when people have listened to a message, it's an open door to start a personal conversation with them and help lead them to Jesus. And over the years, we've been on the plaza preaching almost 15 years. Over the years, many, many people have heard the gospel, have been able to be plugged into local churches. Many people have repented and given their lives to Jesus. But good seed's been planted. And so we actually started a local school to teach the people that come to us and say, I want to learn, I want to learn. And also people online kind of saw what we were doing. And from other countries, they wrote us and say, we, we want to learn. How can we do this in our own country? So we started an online school so we can train teams all around the world. And today, more than 5,000 people have been through our training program. And there are 55 red box teams around the world, Spain, Europe, and Latin America, where a team goes out every single week to proclaim Jesus in their public squares. And we want to thank you for being a part of that because you have invested in souls. Don't ever stop giving to missions. You're investing in eternity and things that last forever. I also have the privilege to work alongside a ministry in Spain that just started a few years ago. It's called Project Rescue Spain, and we work with victims of human trafficking that are being rescued out of that, that lifestyle, of that exploitation. We have a safe home where we bring them on the road to restoration. And if you saw the table coming in, uh, there's jewelry that they have handcrafted. There are some, uh, let me show you a sample here. Note cards. This is from an original painting that I did that hangs in the safe home. We made it into note cards. All the proceeds go to help support the women. The jewelry is also available. It's a win-win-win. You can look good, give meaningful gifts, and and literally support the women in their process of restoration. So we encourage you to take a look at that. Also, please pick up a prayer card. We need you to pray for us. We cannot do a thing without the Holy Spirit, without his anointing. And that's where you can really help us. So we encourage you to do that. We also have little booklets that Kevin wrote. This is part of our training on how to how to evangelize one-on-one. -on -one. This is what all of us are called to do, to be lights, to share our faith. So we encourage you to take a look at that. Only $2, but you can go onto our website, ontheredbox.com, and download all kinds of free materials. So we want to thank you for working with us, partnering with us, and together we can break these chains of slavery physically and spiritually over people. Thank you so much. What I want to do this morning is um, I want to kind of take you on a journey that I've been on the last five years, and I want to uh, really kind of bring you in an orderly fashion some of the dealings of God in my life over the last five years when I was there in Spain. And so um, it's good to remember that as we go through this, in case you feel like your toes are getting stepped on. But... Uh, and I've been a missionary for this summer, it'll be 32 years in Spain. And 
But you know, that's not my purpose in life. My purpose in life isn't to be a missionary. You know, we all have different jobs, different vocations, but you know what your God-given purpose is. Well, to make it easy for you, you know, we all have the same exact God-given purpose here on this earth. And that purpose is that our lives would bring glory to God. We see that all through the Bible. That is our purpose in life, to bring glory to God. And there's a, tons of verses about this. Jesus said it this way, that they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Right? And, and this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And Paul kind of wraps it all up, and he says, whatever you do, and he's talking about eating and drinking in this verse in 1 Corinthians. He says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. All creation brings glory to God, gives glory to God. Right? And that's what we're called to do. And, and you know, it, even as Christians, it seems like it really takes us a long time to come to that understanding. My life isn't mine it's here for a purpose that it would bring glory to God. And, and if God's purpose doesn't really become central in our life, our life doesn't run very smoothly. It's kind of off balance. It kind of reminds me of, uh, we're kind of like those clowns at the circus. Let me, let me explain this to you. And so I'm not just calling you a clown. You probably have seen this. These clowns at the circus, they have these special bicycles. Now, on the front wheel and the back wheel, the, the axle hub is not in the center of the wheel. It's off-center. And so, and the front and back. So when these clowns get on this bicycle to ride it, they're going up and down, up and down, up and down, you know, zigzagging left and right. And it's pretty funny to watch. But I realized when I was thinking about that, that is really how our Christian lives are when God's purpose isn't central in our life. We're kind of, we're, we're unbalanced as Christians. We're a little bit, uh, well, what would you, unstable. We can even get to the point where we become high-maintenance Christians. High-maintenance Christian. You ever think about that high-maintenance Christian? They always need help. And that usually has to do with God's purpose doesn't, isn't central in their lives. Um, because when you think about it, when God's purpose that he would be glorified in our lives becomes the center, the driving force of our life. And bad things happen to you. Difficult situations come and it's kind of like, well, so what? I don't get my way. But God, how can you be glorified in this situation? It just changes everything. You see that in Paul's life. Peter's, whenever they would get thrown in jail, it's like, okay, God, what do you want to do? When Jesus came up against difficult situations, he said, oh, this is for God's glory. I mean, it just changes your life. It makes you stable and, and balanced. And this whole, the importance of this, when you really start to understand we're here for one purpose, that God would be glorified through our lives, we start to really understand the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that's why it's so important, so that his power can flow through us, as Jesus said, as rivers of living water in all different types of good works that bring glory to God. That everything that God does is really kind of directing, goes back to that main purpose, that he'd be glorified in our lives. That God would be glorified through our lives. That's, that's so important. That's why the Holy Spirit's power is so important. And this famous verse that we know, 
In Acts 1.8, you will receive power, Jesus was talking, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, when I was first saved, you know, and it wasn't maybe a couple months after that, I was baptized in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, I pray, I'm still baptized in the Spirit, praying the Spirit every day. But there was a problem with this verse. And I used to say to God, how is it that I can be baptized in the Spirit, that my friends can be baptized in the Spirit? How is it that we can be baptized in the Spirit and have so little power? That was an enigma to me. You know, I think, well, maybe I sprinkle or maybe splash once in a while, but a flowing river? I mean, a flowing river? God, how can that be? I, it just, and I questioned the Lord on this for years. I said, God, how is it that we can be baptized in the Spirit when the verse says, you'll receive power? God, I said, why is it we have so little power? And then we're still baptized in the Spirit. Well, one day I'm reading, and the Lord answers this question. It comes out of Acts 2.18. It says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. As I read that, you know how sometimes you read a verse and boom, God just speaks to you so clearly. And as I read that verse, I think like the Lord just really spoke to my heart. See, Kevin, my power is for my servants. But then he clarified it. He said, my power is those who live for my interest. Those who live for my interest. Because when we live for God's interest, we're living for his glory. You can't separate the two. How do you live for God's glory? You live for his interest, the things that interest him. So we need to ask ourselves as Christians, do we really live for God's interest? Well, we're all trying to live and in, in grow in holiness and making progress there, and that's super important. There's no doubt about it. A holy life brings glory to God. But think with me just for a moment about our prayer lives. What are the main things that dominate our prayer lives? Right? My marriage, my kids, my job, my lack of job, right? Education, my education, my house, my cars, right? And the older you get, there's something that moves right up to the top of your prayer list. My health, right? And we think about it, we think, man, you know, it's really true that my interests really dominate my prayer life. And, uh, well, and of course, God cares about these things. There's no doubt about it. God cares about these things, and they are important. But they almost seem to be non-issues for him. Kevin, what are you saying? My marriage, my kids are a non-issue for God? Well, before you throw any stones, let me... Uh, let's see how Jesus said this. He said the exact same thing in, in Matthew 6.33. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be taken care of. He's saying the exact same thing. He's saying, you know, put my interests first, keep them in first place in your life, and I'll take care of your interest. That's what Jesus says about it. I have a, I have a friend that's an engineer. You don't believe me? I do. I really do have a friend. One friend. Just one friend. He's an engineer. And this happened a number of years ago. And he was working in this engineering firm. And, uh, well, you know, they had, there was a few Christians in the, in the company. And they wanted to get together to have prayer time in the morning before they started work. They wanted to use the lunchroom. You know, just uh, to dedicate the day to the Lord. So he went to management and said, you know, there's a few of us uh, Christians. We'd like to use the lunchroom just to pray and, 
and start today, you know, dedicating it to the Lord. And uh, we won't bother anybody. It's not going to cost the company any money. And so management said, no way. Don't even think about it. So during this time, they were working on a project, the firm, and it had to do with a, a water meter for the state of Texas, a residential water meter that was kind of went underground and that would read the water, and so they would only have to drive by in a car and wave the magic wand, you know, and it would read the, the usage. But there was a problem with this water meter, that water was getting inside of it and would malfunction. So they were working on this bid, and not only his firm, there are a number of firms that are working on it because whoever figured out a solution got the bid. And we're talking multi, multi-million dollar contracts. And so him and his team, they were working on it and they couldn't figure it out. Well, they have a prayer meeting at their church during the week and he went there and, you know, they were taking some prayer needs and he said, you know, we're working on this water meter and we cannot figure out a solution for it. Could we pray about that? And so they prayed about it. And then God, uh, uh, I think he said two days later, just downloaded in his mind a solution for it. He just saw it just like that. And he knew it came from the Lord and, and it worked. And so their company got that bid. And so uh, then management calls him in. And he said, we want to know how you figured out this solution for this problem. No, none of the other engineers could figure it out. None of the other firms could figure this out. How were you smart enough to figure it out? And as he stood there, he said, well, I wanted to tell him I was smart enough. <laughs> he, said, he said, well, I wasn't smart enough. I couldn't figure it out. But at our church, we have a prayer meeting, and I asked him to pray about this. And uh, a couple days later, it's just God downloaded in my mind a solution for it. Well, management saw prayer in multi-million dollar contracts. Oh, guy, you, you guys can use the uh, lunchroom for prayer. <laughs> but you know what's... Well, so, and this happened 15 years ago, and this prayer meeting is still going on today. Because here's a man, I'm telling you a story to help you understand that God wants to be glorified through your life. Here's a man that stood up for the Lord, wasn't embarrassed, is going to tell it how it is, and God was glorified through his life, and he still is being glorified through that prayer meeting. God wants to be glorified through your life no matter where you work. No matter where you live, no matter who you are, that is your purpose in life. That is your purpose in life. Dorcas, what Dorcas do? She sewed. She made clothes for the needy. And her, and well, if you know the story, she died. And all the Christians were just, you know, this is a wonder. This lady lived, you know, for the glory of God. She looked out for the needs of the, the, the needy. And God raised her up from the dead. And then after she's raised from the dead, she started worldwide ministry and wrote books about how it is to go to heaven. No, no she didn't do that. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. Uh, she went back to caring for the needy. But I think that, that, that uh, story's in there for us. For us. God took note of her. This lady lived for the glory of God. Well, okay, we say, let's live for God's glory. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But I found out it's extremely difficult. This is extremely difficult to live for the interest of another person. God is a person, and God has certain interests. And to live for his interests, you kind of have to put your own interest to one side. 
But it's extremely difficult, even as Christians. Let me just read one passage, and this brings it so clearly. This is out of Philippians 2.19. And Paul talking, of course, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I may be also cheered when I receive news about you. Okay? Now he's talking about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who has shown genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. What's so shocking about these couple of verses that Paul's not talking. He's not talking about unbelievers look out for their own interests. He's not even talking about believers looking out for their own interests. He's talking about other ministers and leaders that work with him. He says, of all the people that work with me, I'm, you know, I can only really have one that I can really send to you that's going to look out for your welfare because everyone lives for their own interest. And that's what's so shocking about it. It helps us to see that it's not an easy thing to live for the, for the interest of Jesus Christ. Now these other leaders, let me just clear, you know, these guys weren't living a, a sinful lifestyle. You know, Paul wouldn't have put up with that. He wouldn't have had them in his leadership. But they probably lived like most of us do. Kind of sounds like this. Lord, you know, I'm trying to live a good life. Now, please, please look out for all my, my interest. Look out for my interest. And that's really kind of what we boiled Christianity down to. You just try not to get in too, involved in too much sin, and God's going to take care of all your other needs. But that's not the Christianity the Bible talks about. Have you ever really worried and been concerned about Jesus, the interest of Jesus not being met? Think about it. Have you ever worried, were you ever really concerned that God's interests aren't being met? We think, oh, he's big enough to take care of himself. We don't think that way. It's so foreign to us, isn't it? The, uh, well, these verses also show us that, you know, we live, that helps us understand this, we live for the interest of Jesus Christ when we look out for the welfare of other people. That's how we live for his interest, right? Jesus said, you know, you've given a cup of cold water to one of these little ones. You've given it to me. You visited somebody in prison. Well, you visited me. That's how we live for the interest of Jesus Christ, looking out for the welfare of other people. Well, that's why we need this power of the Holy Spirit so bad, you know, as we look out for the welfare of other people. But as we seek more and more of this power of the Holy Spirit, in his flow, this river flowing through our lives, we need to be equally passionate about falling in love with Jesus more and more. Never separate the two. Never separate the two. You know, when the Spirit uses you to minister in many different ways, you know, you can get the reputation of being alive, being a man or a woman of God. You know, and people recognize, oh, God's using that person, the Spirit's using that person. You know, we have somebody like this in, uh, in the Old Testament had this reputation. His name was Samson. You know, he had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. And uh, he had this reputation of being alive, being a man of God. He's God's man. But God always looks at the heart. God's not deceived by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that might be moving through us. He always looks at the heart. In Revelation, we see this clearly. Jesus brings it out. He says, I, Revelation 3.1, he says, I know your deeds, that you have a reputation of being alive. Now, you don't get a, he's talking to the church people. 
He says, I know, you know, this church had a reputation of being alive, being anointed by the Spirit of God. You don't get a, a reputation of being alive if your deeds are evil. That doesn't happen, you know. But Jesus goes on to say, but, but you are dead. But you are dead. You know, God looks to see if there's a burning love in our heart for Jesus. That's what makes us alive to God and for God. Our love for him. Not the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Is there burning love in your heart for Jesus? Or has it gone down to just a pilot light? Has it gone down to just a pilot light? Well, as we seek to have more and more of this anointing of the Holy Spirit without a growing love for Jesus, it's a dangerous road to travel. Extremely dangerous when you separate the two. Samson, as we saw, you know, he had the anointing without a growing love for God. Right? He basically lived for his own interest. Right from the very beginning of his ministry, sees this hot pagan woman, and, and he's, this is what he says. Oh, she pleases me. Get her for me. And his parents say, well, isn't there some Christian women, you know, among the Jews? Well, Jewish, you know, at the time. He said, no, 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 no. She pleases me. He didn't want to hear it. He lived for his own interest. And that through his whole life. He lived for his own interest. And his life ended in ruins. I mean, literally ended in ruins. And that still happens today. We you know, when you hear somebody moving, God's using some person. And, uh, you know, good things are happening. There's no doubt that God's using them. And then they fall. Then a few months down the road, you hear about some type of scandal, financial or moral scandal. And you think, man, how could that be? Maybe that wasn't really God using them. Oh, it probably was God using them. Okay? But it's really, it's our love for God that, that motivates us to live in a way that pleases him. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is power to minister to others. And Jesus said it this way, he who loves me obeys my commandments. It's really our heart that protects us. And, uh, you know, it's really easier. This is a shocking statement, but it's really easier to get anointing for ministry than to keep your heart on fire for Jesus. And there's a lot of verses that talk about this. Oh, didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? I don't know you guys. Jesus, I don't know you guys. Get away from me, you evildoers. Don't be deceived, you know, thinking that you're God's man or woman because of the anointing. God looks at your heart. Is there a burning love for Jesus in your heart? You know, when you really love someone, it sure is a lot easier to live for their interest, isn't it? Are you in love? Are you in love with your spouse? Usually sounds, oh, whatever you want to do, honey, wherever you want to eat, we'll go there. You know, you can put aside your interest for their interest, right? And uh, well, that's how we need so much need to tend that fire in our hearts for Jesus, you know, on a daily basis. Because you leave that fire unattended for just a little while, it dwindles down to a pilot light very, very quickly. I'm not sure why that is. I think we all know from experience that's the way it is. That's just what happens. But without a growing love for him, how are we going to live for his interest? It just won't happen. It just won't happen. Most of our desire for the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for our own interest, for our own self-image. You know, but we're fooling ourselves if we think we can. 
Well, you can't live for his interest without a growing love for him. And I just want to recommend a book that we've enjoyed through the years about your devotional life. It's called Secrets in the Secret Place by Bob Sorge. Simple book, but Secrets of the, of the Secret Place. You know, because only you can tend the fire in your heart for Jesus. The pastor can't do it. The church services won't do it. Your spouse won't do it. You can't live off your spouse's devotional life. You've got to throw, put the wood on the fire. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Well, we need this anointing of the Holy Spirit. God's got this incredible life planned for us, a blessed life, you know. Like Jesus says, rivers of living water flowing out of us to meet the needs of other people. Now, few things compare with this in life, this feeling, you know, when this happens, you think, boy, this is what I was created for. This is my purpose in life because you really feel fulfilled. You know, there's a lot of Christians that don't feel fulfilled. Well, if you want to feel fulfilled, you have to live the way God lives. You have to put the interest of other people first. Live for their interests. Look out for the needs of others, and you'll start to feel this fulfillment. But that's why we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But that's extremely, this, this constant flow of the Spirit. But it's extremely hard to get to that place of a continual flow of the Spirit. A few years back in my own life, I'm praying or complaining. I don't know which it was. But it kind of sounded like, God, I'm tired. Man, I'm tired of pursuing this level of anointing and lifestyle that you promised. It says, I, you know, I say, man, I just can't get there. I'm sorry. And I used to say, God, I'm sorry my life doesn't bring you more glory. But it just seems an impossible place to get to. Like I'm saying, man, I want to give up. I want to give up. Well, during this time, the Lord spoke to me from 2 Timothy 2.10. Amazing, an amazing verse. It says, therefore, Paul speaking, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Oh, it was so clear. It was so clear. You know, it's like I heard, you need to persevere and seeking more the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not for your sake, but for their sake, that they might be saved. When I get up on that red box out in the middle of the plaza, I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's no faking it with unbelievers. They're not fooled. <laughs> They're not fooled. And you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, nothing really happens. You know, and, but it's, it's a hard place to get to. And that verse, that verse so changed my whole thinking about the whole the whole importance of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because as for me, personally, I could conform to just sprinkling, maybe splashing once in a while. But when I understood that my love for Jesus, or lack of love for Jesus, my anointing, or the lack of the anointing, is affecting the eternal destiny of other people, I could no longer conform to just a little. It really pushed me to keep persevering. Not for my sake, because I'm happy with little. I mean, I'm not happy with little because I know how hard it is to get to a place of a, a continual flow. So that's we want to conform and back off. You know, we don't like to think that way, that my love for Jesus, lack of love for Jesus, my anointing or lack of love for it is affecting the eternal destiny of other people. But it is. Your life 
is affecting the eternal destiny of other people. That's why we need to persevere in keeping our hearts on fire for Jesus, per keep persevering and seeking more of the anointing of the Holy Spirit for their sake. Not for our sake, but for their sake. For the sake of your family members. For the sake of your kids. For the sake of your co-workers. For the sake of Gaylord. For the sake of the world. We need to keep persevering. God doesn't expect us to have the power. He doesn't, but he, he does. He is looking for hearts that are given over to his purposes, that God would be glorified through, his, through our lives. He won't force that on you. He's given us that free will, and he's asking us to give it up, live for his interest, not for our interest. And his power is for those who live for his glory, those who live for his interest, those who look out for the welfare of others. You know, that's what God's all about. You ever think about that's what God's all about? That the Father was looking out for our interest when he sent Jesus. Jesus was looking out for our interest when he got up on that cross and paid for our sins because he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God lives for the interest of other people. And that's how he's calling us to live. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.